Money. Money is confusing. Money is stressful. Money is overwhelming. At least for the vast majority of people from what we've heard through our digital secret shopping studies. And in this podcast, I'm going to show you how you can simplify the complexity of money to guide people towards an even bigger, better, and brighter future. Greetings and hello, my name is James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Practical Perspective series where I look forward to sharing practical perspectives that you can apply to maximize your future growth at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech. Now, research after research study continues to find around 60, 70, 85% of Americans feel some sort of financial stress. And this stress, it's taking a toll on their health, their relationships, and their well-being. And so this is an opportunity for you, dear listener, to help simplify the complexity of money for people. It doesn't matter if you're a leader. It doesn't matter if you're in lending or in marketing. There's an opportunity to simplify the complexity of money, to guide people, to offer help, to offer hope. And what I'd like to do is, is really talk about the consumer buying journey, the one that we all know awareness and consideration, purchase, adoption, advocacy. But I want to provide a different lens, a different perspective rooted in the feelings of people. I call this the six C's of the consumer buying journey framework. And and that's where people shopping for a financial product go through a range of feelings and emotions. They typically start off in some sort of confusion And then there's clarity, and that clarity turns into courage. The courage turns into commitment, and ultimately that commitment to click apply turns to confidence. But the confidence is only there whenever they complete the full application for the loan or for the deposit account. And then finally, there's some sort of confirmation that is needed, that the decision you made was a very good decision. And so... Let's roll this back. I want to repeat this again because this is a a new mental model for some. Once again, the majority of people enter into a buying journey feeling some sort of confusion, perhaps even stress. We must be mindful of this feeling. We must be mindful of this emotion as a leader, as a lender, as a marketer. A CUNA Mutual study found that around 65% of people enter into a buying journey for a loan product feeling some sort of fear some sort of anxiety when it comes to the application or even the approval for the loan. And and this, once again, it's such a tremendous opportunity for you to just focus not on all six of these C's of the consumer buying journey framework, but just let's focus on the first two. The opportunity is to transform confusion into clarity. And I want to look at an external example here for some context. I have an Apple TV remote. And and really what amazes me about this remote is how the design has been simplified. All of the extra buttons, the bells, the whistles, they've all been removed. Now, when you compare that to, say, like an Xfinity remote, it might not be as quote-unquote flexible, but the features, they've been removed, making it easier for me the consumer who doesn't care about the bells and whistles to use on a day in and day out basis. Now, 
compare that Apple remote to the Xfinity remote. Yeah, it has a lot more buttons. There's increased flexibility. There's more features, but what's the problem? There's less usability. It's more complex. It's more confusing. And when you think about complexity and you think about confusion, if someone is feeling that around their financial state of being, around their money state of mind on a day in and day out basis, that complexity, that confusion will lead to chaos. It'll lead to conflict. And that's what leads to financial stress. And that's what takes a toll on people's health. When we're talking about financial brands, what are people looking for? Are they looking for features? Or are they looking for flexibility? Or are they looking for simplicity and usability? I say they're looking for simplicity. They're looking for clarity. And when we know that money is an inherently complex subject, there's such an opportunity for financial brands to commit to removing the complexity of money or as much as possible in the way that they position their products and their services through their marketing and sales communications. You have a choice to make. Do you want to be like the Cheesecake Factory? And the Cheesecake Factory, they have that 21-page menu, and yes, it has been called the Bible of Food. There's over 250 items that you can choose from. And some people love that about them. But I know a lot of people that I've talked to when I share this example that I've eaten there, they, they find that the, the amount of choices that are available, it's too much. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. It's frustrating. Or the alternative to this is, do you want to be more like, say, five guys? They've simplified their menu down to five, six different options. And what they've done is they've made it easier for people to decide what to order. And then also for them, they've made it easier to build systems and processes around to support the decisions of people who are, are eating with them. Barry Schwartz, he's an author. He has written very persuasively around what he calls the paradox of choice. And he makes an argument that the more choices we have as people is actually less. And this is because I want to quote him. Increased choice decreases satisfaction with matters as trivial as ice cream flavors and as significant as jobs. Once again, increased choice decreases satisfaction with matters as trivial as ice cream flavors and as significant as as jobs. Think about money once again. Think about your financial products. How many choices do people have? Say when it comes to a checking account or a savings account or a credit card, even a, a home loan. And you're like, well, we, we have home loans. We have different home loans and there's different types. First time home buyer, uh, maybe there's something for military veterans. Maybe there's something for a second mortgage. And, and you know, you know the right thing because you work at a financial brand. You work in mortgage lending. What about a checking account? What about a savings account? We did a recent study 
digital secret shopping study where we looked at money market accounts. And 90% of people that we tested had no clue about what a money market account is. And so there is what I would say an experience problem when it comes to people and interacting with financial brands. There's also an education problem. And yes, you could say, well, we're doing financial literacy, but it's not the education that I'm talking about. It's the education that is rooted in the inherent complexity of money. And our financial behaviors, which when repeated are our habits, those are ingrained in us from about the time that we're the age of seven. And we're picking those up through observing our parents and our family and those in our environment. Here's the thing. In, in society, we don't tend to talk about money very much. And that's an unfortunate thing. Um, it's unfortunate that money is taboo. I've talked about this before on the podcast and research studies show this as well. It's easier for couples in a relationship to talk about sex than it is to talk about money. And I know a lot of this is cultural. Um, maybe our parents told us that we shouldn't talk about it, but it's time. It's time for financial brands to remove the, this taboo around money because there is a growing epidemic. There's a growing financial epidemic and it really is making people sick. This, this financial stress, it's literally killing people. I mean, consider the fact that the number one reason that people visit an emergency room is because of stress. And so in some of the research studies that we've conducted when it comes to digital secret shopping uh, initiatives for websites, We've asked this question, how does money make you feel? More than 1,200 studies later, we've distilled the responses down to three patterns, three emotional patterns that people tend to have around money. The first is confusion. I know money's important, but I don't know what I need to do to keep it, to save it, to make more of it. So there's an inherent complexity, if you will, of money. The second is it's frustration. Like, why do I always feel like I'm behind with my money? Is, is there anything I can do to catch up? I feel like I'm just barely keeping my head above water. And when it comes to keeping your head above water, there's the, the overwhelm that people feel with money. It seems like I'm just getting into more debt and it feels harder and harder and harder to get out. So, this rise in financial stress and financial anxiety has also been verified by third-party research. There was a study, it was conducted by FinTech, stash.com. They found that 62% of people find that money to be a major source of stress. Northwestern Mutual, they found 85% of Americans feel stressed about money. So clearly there's something real here and it is impacting the physical, the mental, the emotional, the relational, maybe even the spiritual state of our human being. I want to stay on this just a bit longer. Stash.com found that 31% of people are losing sleep because of financial stress. And you hear that and you're like, oh, that's 31% of people. But let me make this more real for you. That's one out of every three people you know. They're losing sleep because of financial stress. 
Stash.com also found that 34% of people feel too embarrassed to even talk about it. So there's this whole taboo thing. Once again, let's make this more real. One out of every three people you know feel too embarrassed to talk about their financial problems. But why? Well, more than a third of people feel that they're worse off than their peers. What do they say? Comparison is the thief of joy. Meanwhile, the stash study found that 20%, one out of every five people you know, they don't talk about it because they're ashamed. They don't talk about money because they're ashamed of their financial habits, that they maybe aren't even aware of why they do what they do. And so in this type of an environment, given the level of stress that people are feeling, that people are experiencing, does it make sense when it comes to positioning and communicating about your financial products to prioritize and highlight their complex functionalities? Are we doing any good? And what I mean by that, when we're talking about all of these product features that you have, are we doing any good for people to have to deal with all of this increased cognitive load? What is cognitive load? I want to pause on this point for just a bit because cognitive load, it might be a new perspective for some leaders, for some lenders, for some marketers to think about and consider. I guided this financial brand through a quarterly digital secret shopping study that was framed around their website's emotional and lead experience. And we found a tremendous amount of inherent complexity that had been added to the website over the course of time. You have to, once again, I think context is important here and and you might relate to this. This particular financial brand, their website, it was around three, four, five years old. And over time, the marketing team continuously added new pages to the website. And they did so without really thinking it through from the perspective of people shopping for a financial product. They didn't think through the pains that people were experiencing around the financial products that they were adding to this website. And for this one organization, they had over 300 product pages. That doesn't include blog articles. That doesn't include applications. These were just product pages. And one of the recommendations that I made was to go through, after reviewing more of the quantitative side of things, looking at, say, the Google Analytics and the traffic that these pages were getting, and just simply take a chainsaw to the product pages that were extraneous, they were unnecessary, they were adding to the confusion and the complexity for people looking for a solution to solve their pain points. And so all of this boiled down really to taking like 80% of their old pages and either unifying them or discarding them. And so the long story short here, what this financial brand did was remarkable because through this new streamlined approach, the simplified website, if you will, 
they actually saw their conversion rates increase by 1,500%. Now, this did create some complexity internally because there were internal departments, there were internal business lines that were asking why pages that they had requested were getting cut, but the marketing team, they held strong. Marketing team became an internal educator, an internal advocate, an internal guide to provide a new perspective for these other business lines. And the marketing team created really exponential value because unlike before, this particular organization, they now had not just a glorified online brochure, they had a website that sells. They had a website that was generating leads and their website went from really their most underperforming acquisition channel. And they probably had 15, 20 branches. Most underperforming asset channel compared to their branches to their number one performing asset channel in 18 months. All because of simplicity. And I think that's the secret here. When we reduce the cognitive load of people, when we take away the mental energy and the pain that they're already feeling, when we reduce that, and how we communicate about our products, we make their lives that much better. We increase their courage, we provide clarity, and they're able to commit with confidence to apply for a loan or deposit account with us. And what I wanna do is break these different challenges that we often see into three buckets around cognitive load. There's the intrinsic load, the intrinsic cognitive load, meaning the inherent difficulty of a subject matter. And when it comes to money, there's obviously a tremendous amount of intrinsic co cognitive load built into the subject of money, built into the subject of finances, built into the subject of banking. But then, then there's the, the extraneous cognitive load. And this is the cognitive load that we add by how we communicate and present ourselves digitally as a financial brand. And this is where I see a tremendous amount of opportunity when it comes to simplifying our positioning, simplifying our communication. Because as we know, financial services, it's been commoditized. And finally, there's what is known as the germane cognitive load. This is the schemas, the frameworks that help us to really organize and interpret different types of information very quickly. So for example, this is the website, the user experience or the frameworks, the content frameworks and how content is visually structured, communicated, presented to people. Now time and time again, our studies have found that when a financial brand reduces cognitive load, conversion rates on the website increase and sometimes exponentially. Similarly, we found that with any minor addition of cognitive load or complexity, conversion rates do in fact start to drop. So as a financial brand, I want you to remind yourself that at a big picture level, what you're doing here is you're not selling a financial product. Once again, people, they don't buy your product, they don't buy your service, they're buying a cure. They're buying a solution. They're buying a shortcut to solve their problems, to cure their pain. And your financial products are nothing more than a means to an end to help people reach their bigger, better, brighter future. Now, ask yourself, does your website reflect 
the user experience, to provide clarity, to increase people's courage and commitment to apply with confidence? Or are you adding to the complexity? And we've analyzed over 1,200 digital secret shopping study experiences in two different ways. The quantitative is looking at the heat maps and the click maps. It's looking at the big data sets, what people do. The qualitative is looking at and really interviewing people through the experience and gaining understanding of why people do what they do. And when we understand why people do what they do, we're more likely to provide an opportunity to give them help and to give them hope. So as we start to wrap up, remember this. We talk a lot about data, whether it's quantitative data or qualitative data, the what and the why. But behind every data point, there's DNA on the other side of that. So what are the opportunities to simplify the complexities of money within your own digital buying journeys? Where might you be inadvertently increasing confusion and reducing complexity and as a result, um, losing opportunities for loans and deposits? How might you be able to reduce the cognitive load of your website? If you wanna gain some objective perspective into some of these questions, text me. Text me, 415-579-3002. You can also just text me a question that you'd like to gain some clarity around for a future podcast episode. Until next time, be well, do good, and be the light.